Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been hand-picked from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers, and I've often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're really like as people, usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? Because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us, and I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I've gathered from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today, and if so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of software engineering. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are um- you? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for having me today. Gosh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I must say, I've never had a software engineer on the show. Oh, wow. Good. (laughs) So does that mean you code all day? That's what I imagine software engineers to do. Well, yes, about the majority of the time it is coding, but then there's a lot of other responsibilities um, with the job. So Right. And what made you get into it? Oh, well, <laughs> actually, um, I think ever since I was very little, and I'm not going to say, oh, I've been good at it since I was little, but when I was little, I was very amazed by computers. And mm-hmm. I didn't know how they worked or how I could make them work. But I think that sparked the intrigue of uh, pursuing a computer science degree, which then led me to become a software engineer. So I right. think just, yeah, thinking about like, oh, I can do anything in my imagination with a computer. That's what really interested me. Yeah, I mean, I had computers um, sort of growing up and I remember video games and my gosh, computers have really changed since I was a kid. But I never, I never had that sort of intrigue to sort of figure out how they worked. Like, why was your interest kind of on another level to most kids that have computers around their home? I I think of, I've had that without knowing that little uh, scientist type of mindset of like, why, how, but why, (laughs) you know, like very, like, how does that work? And I have definitely been very inspired by also um, animated um, cartoons and films, like the ones, you know, like growing up, that was like the next big thing, like the animated by computers, um, films. So I think that was definitely one of the main triggers for me. Mm. Um, yes. So I think that might be, I don't know, it, it might be that difference. <laughs> Some people are ask more questions about maybe cooking or yeah. electronics, but I was like, how do I do that in a computer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't understand what kind of questions you would have come up with that because for me, computers just worked. I I didn't like you put batteries in or you plug it to a wall, um, and that for me was as far as my questions went when it came to computers. Because with computers, everything's kind of like dots and zeros and binary code. And so, as a kid, I couldn't touch it. I couldn't break it. So, you know, I couldn't. It just was beyond me. 
Right. Well, I guess that's exactly right. I think I was so angry at not understanding the magic behind the computers <laughs> <laughs> that I think that's what made me go for it. When I when I picked my computer science degree, when I when I decided I was going to study that, I was extremely scared of it. Right. Um, yeah. When you look it up on Wikipedia, the description of computer science just sounds like, oh, why? Why would I go for that? Why? What's the description? <laughs> I, it's very, very long, but I remember I read it when I was picking my major, and it's it just says, oh, the the foundation of computer science is advanced mathematics, and then he talks about all these physics and all this. I, don't, I can't remember exactly what it is, but very complicated terms, it felt like. So for someone who was doing something more artsy it felt very very scary but again like I think that that feeling of being mad at it for not understanding it because it felt like magic was my challenge and I was like I want to do this I want to understand the I want to break it and understand it so I can make it if that makes sense yeah so I guess it's a bit like when you're shown magic tricks like some people yes. are like, oh, wow, oh, I bet he did this or I bet she did that. And then there are other people that are like, no, I'm going to find out exactly how that magic trick works. <laughs> exactly. And that was you yes. with software engineering. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. So how did the journey begin? Because what do you have to be good at? I'm assuming math comes into it. Yes, I think math is very, very important. A lot of people think it's not because it's like the kind of math that happens without really thinking that you're doing math, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of logic in it. And if you like logic or puzzles, sort of like Sudoku or crossword puzzles, even like if you can notice patterns and use logic, I think that's like the the core of becoming a good programmer. Oh, yes. And um, so you do need the kind of math that you probably don't know that you're doing math. It's called discrete math. It's not necessarily like formulas and remembering them. And um, it's more of the, can you identify patterns like in a crossword or in a, a crossword puzzle or in a in like sudoku type of mm, logic yeah so if you're good at like puzzles or you like puzzles and that kind of problem solving then programming is perfect right. for you and like what kind of kid were you were you the type um that was just good at all stem subjects or did you have your favorites uh, maybe even some that you maybe even some stem subjects you weren't good at Actually, I was, I thought I was really, really bad at math <laughs> and, <laughs> and I didn't like it because of that. Yeah. And then also I was very interested in the arts. The only thing that I can say STEM related that I know I was, I really liked when I was very little was just, it was just called science, mm. the subject. Yeah. And it was, it covered everything from like, oh, what a cell is or environmental science and it covered a lot of things and I remember really liking that class um and thinking I think that movie Contact did you ever watch no. that movie in the 90s called Contact no. oh it's great <laughs> <laughs> um that movie made me think oh when I grow up I want to be a scientist yeah. I remember that what about the movie yeah it was about, actually, it's interesting because he was a female scientist. And now I look back and I think, oh, that's why. But uh, I didn't know it then. It was this um, lady who was, I think she's more of a, like an astrophysicist or something. And she discovers a sound in outer space. And they they get a message from outer space. They, they they find a pattern, they figure it out, they find it's a message, and they use that message to build a, a space, um, like a, a spaceship. So I just thought like the whole process, and then she goes on that trip to outer space, and, and it's a crazy adventure. Mm -hmm. And I thought like the whole process, the entire movie is more about getting that message and building that message more so than going 
outer space. Right. So I like that part of the movie that I, I the guess the science solving. part. Yes. <laughs> so I that movie is so weird that that movie was one of uh, my favorite movies growing up and I was very little, uh, like probably eight or so. Wow. It's so important to have those kinds of influences, right? Where like you, you're watching that women can do what is typically quite male oriented, I guess. Yes, I completely agree. I, I don't even know how many other space movies I watched when I was little and I can't remember them. The only one I remembered was that one. And is that because of the female character? Yes, I remember her very clearly. Like, um, she I became quite a fan of her, the actress, because of that movie. Who is the actress? It's Jodie Foster. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, did you have any other role models growing up? Like, did you grow up in a very STEM-oriented household? No, I am the first scientist slash engineer in my family oh wow yeah thank you (laughs) so growing up I didn't I was not exposed to any of this and I didn't know that could be a career even so so brave of you then to choose something out of your kind of comfort zone definitely outside of my that's why I, I googled it and I saw it on wikipedia and I was like oh am I gonna really do computer science yeah so what was giving you the courage to tread on territory that had been never been explored before? I think the challenge aspect of it. Um, I think I was, I was ready to challenge myself with something I didn't know anything about. And since I was very intrigued by it, I, I just took on it like, you know, like in a rodeo. <laughs> I took the bull by the horns and I was like, I'm just going to do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually blown away by your brave kind of drive. Oh, thank you. Discover a subject that, you know, hadn't been studied before. Um, I mean, that takes a lot of guts. So you must be quite a tenacious character then. (laughs) Thank you. I I guess I I had not thought about it that way, but I thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So so how has it worked out? Like, are you glad you chose it? Um, have there been regrets? Has it been difficult? Has it been easy? What's the journey been like? Oh, it's been quite a journey. Um, I don't regret it at all. I love it very much. Um, I think I learned how to solve problems in a completely new way that I had never done before. So I use my problem-solving skills on everything now, not just for programming, but if I get a new challenge in life, I feel like I'm using that computer scientist, uh, software engineer slash, you know, programmer, mindset of me like okay so I'm gonna divide it divide and conquer divide it into smaller problems and do one at a time like exactly how I do with like a problem in programming I do in life so I think I'm very grateful for that what came first um the approach to problem solving that you have or did you learn it through your studies in software engineering I learned it way after my studies so the studies they taught me all the theory and which is very important to know once you start working and actually solving problems the solving the problem solving skills came uh, after when I became a software engineer and I was practicing all the time so when I started as a software engineer I realized that I was very grateful of my studies because I could use all the theory that I had with me uh, to bring to the table at work where maybe other people who had not studied computer science but got into programming in a different way, they didn't have that knowledge or they didn't know about it. So they were practically reinventing the wheel where I already knew there were there was a wheel, if that makes sense. Right. So... 
I think like I, I, my journey has been very interesting because I had I learned a lot of skills during um, my studies and then different skills um, at work mm. and I've used both of them and I, I I appreciate both and I like both a lot. Mm. It sounds like you're working in very diverse teams then. If people there are some people that don't know that a wheel exists, sort of thing. Yes. Um, I think as a software engineer, it has been very common to work with people that got into software engineering through different means. And that's because there's such a big demand for programmer, for programmers now that um, really, if you, if you learn how to program, you can become a software engineer, which is great. Um, however, if you don't have like the theory uh, with you, you might be doing things that have already been solved. <laughs> um, so yes, I think the the I think in most most teams that I've seen in other places and then in my own, uh, the programmers are all almost all from different backgrounds. That's so great. I mean, what's that like um, in terms of a working environment? Like, do you enjoy the fact that your teams are full of very different individuals. I love it. I love it very much because I learned so much through them. Mm. And so like if there's someone who had more of like an electrical engineering type of background mm. and then I can learn through them what they studied, which is also can be very closely related to even how computers are built and how they work. It's just more in the hardware side or like the electrical side so for me it's like oh i can i can help you understand what i learned uh through computer science but then i i learned from you mm. the electrical side the electrical engineering side yeah. so i love that side of working in a diverse group yeah it sounds like a real sort of test bed for innovation yes absolutely yeah um Although sometimes I do think that maybe it would be nice to have more computer scientists because um, there there can be many times where maybe um, there's like an architectural design decision and if if there's there are not enough like computer science voices uh, we may be overruled and maybe some of the decisions are not the best for the product. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So in terms of diversity, it sounds like people's backgrounds are um, varied. But what about sort of inclusivity of like different races, genders? What are the balances like there? Oh, well, I'm so glad you brought this up. Um, <laughs> well, I think there's so there's not enough diversity when it comes to gender there's a lot of there's more men to female ratio mm -hmm. um i'm not too bothered by that but when it comes to inclusivity i i think there's a lot 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 of competition and it can become very negative but the what i've gotten it the most from unfortunately has been from women which makes no sense to me. Hmm, but, that's so um, interesting. Yeah. So it's been very interesting how, unfortunately, women seem to be stepping over other women Oof. to, to yeah. So it's, Why? I think that... Because there's so I, few places for women within software engineering? I, I think so. I think it really stems from insecurity where they they feel like they might need to earn that spot yeah. where they are and they want to prove that they are smarter than the other mm. woman. Yes. So it gets very complicated. I feel like that kind of culture exists around workplaces that have a quota. So if there's a quota for the number of women that they hire, then yes, it gets really competitive, but no one ever really knows whether there is a quota or not. But from what I've heard, it sounds like, you know, you can have the exact same resume or CV and you put a guy's name at the top of it 
and they'll be qualified for the job. But if you switch the guy's name to a girl's name, then sometimes they cannot be qualified for that job purely because they're a woman. And I've heard things like that going on. It's terrifying. Yes, definitely in the tech uh, technology scene, that happens a lot. Mm. But it can also go the other way, which I think I've seen it happen. I've been both on both sides of the table as an interviewee and as an interviewer. Mm -hmm. And I've seen how people can be extremely biased because the interviewer was a woman and maybe they they go softer on them, maybe in the questions or they could also um, like grade them hard, like harsher. They're oh, she should have known this or, you know, like. It's It goes either way. And then also, I've been in other situations where there is a quota for for having more women, and then they, even, they could have a resume of a very qualified man and an underqualified woman, and they will pick the man. No, I mean, sorry, they will pick the woman over the man because they would need more yeah. women. Yeah. And I think that might also... I think there's a problem there, too, because, well, we're not... At that point, you're not giving the opportunity to the right person yeah. for the right job. And that's what breeds maybe... the competition and, mm-hmm. you know, the animosity yeah. between colleagues. I mean, it can get into a real mess. Oh, yes. I think, yes. I think the the whole entire tech scene right now with programmers is very, very messy oh. in every sense of the oh, way. Oh, my gosh. I mean, is it yeah. worth really sort of like unraveling that I mean so what's uh, do we need six hours to talk about it like what's what's the mess that you're (laughs) identifying um I think I think there's it comes from it's so (laughs) the roots are so deep that I'm not even sure that it can be solved. I think the mess is stemming from forcing women to code or learn how to code to have more women or more di- more diversity in the tech scene. Mm. Hold on. So what what do you mean? What do you mean by forcing women? Because women can choose if they want to. Yeah, there's been so many initiatives like Girls Who Code and things like that. Um, why are they being forced? I'm sorry. I, I guess I don't mean by force, but it feels like those campaigns are extremely forceful and mm. we're gonna put that you need to learn how to code everywhere in your mind yeah. so that you feel like like how you read and write if you don't know how to code it's like you don't know how to read or write right uh, one of they put it up in that category really? and i think that's not fair yes oh yes i've i've seen it in including I don't even know if I can say this, and and you can remove it if not. But I think it was even like uh, ex President Obama. He did say like everybody here needs to learn how to code. And if you don't know if you don't know how to code, it's like you don't know. It's like it's like reading or writing. Like he he made that reference, and I think that having such a big lead say something like mm. that puts it in everybody's minds and then everybody thinks that oh no then I am definitely behind the curve because I don't know how to code and I think that's where the force comes from I don't think we've ever said oh you need to learn how to read you need to learn how to write and also you really need to know how to read like law lingo if you don't know law then you can't read or write and i think no you cannot force law into people if you don't like law you don't want to go into law school you're fine if you don't want to be a doctor you know like it's fine so i really think the whole programming thing has been really it's been that campaign has been very forceful i think into everybody's mind that's so interesting because i'm i'm torn i must say because if someone was to say you you don't need to study math you know you know if you're really artistic don't worry about studying math I think that would be really sad that you would get pupils graduating from high school without mathematical skills and so the idea of actually um you know allowing all pupils to have a basic understanding of coding is really exciting so it's interesting that we see it as um you know because, you know, people graduate from high school with a really bad understanding of math. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so those that are not really that interested in coding can graduate from high school with a really bad understanding of coding. So... I agree with that. I think that, sure, coding should be exposed to people, and should they choose to do it, that's fine. And I do think, like, having computer science or programming classes in high school or even middle school, it's great. And then it's their choice. I I, I just feel torn about the whole situation where if we say that if you don't know how to code, then you're almost, like... I don't know. Like, Underqualified. It, I mean, when or you put code in, yeah, you're not like a normal right. person. It's like reading or writing. Then I think that's a problem. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a really, really tricky one yeah. because I didn't grow up in that era where coding was essential. And now when people talk about coding, I'm just like, say what now? Even though, even though I must say I did do a bit of coding for my doctorate. So I'm not, I'm not entirely uh, oblivious to what it is, but, um, you know, if someone started speaking to me in Spanish, I wouldn't have a clue what they're saying. Um, so that- I think it's fine. I, I mean, like I said, it's just a part of feeling bad because you don't like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what worries me. Like, if you you have a computer science class in high school or middle school, they're learning how to code, and then someone very someone says, "Oh, you should really mm. know this." then I think that that is like the what makes it tricky that it's not an option anymore it's not a choice anymore right I mean listen I feel like uh, students today have more pressure than they've ever had so maybe this is part of it you know this whole pressure to also understand coding and you know it's just I mean the load on students today is just horrific I I agree completely. Yes. So that's one part of the mess then. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, yeah, I understand your use of the word force. Um, that kind of being force-fed coding. Yeah. Um, why, why does that lead to a mess then? Is it because of the self-esteem issues that may be attached to that? I think so. I think a lot of people may be going into programming for for those reasons Mm. because they think they have to or they think if I want a job then I have to go for that field if I want to make good money if I want to live in San Francisco (laughs) things like that right I think the the pressure is very high when it comes to finding a job nowadays Mm. and uh, programming somehow this this agenda of saying that programming is very important also guarantees that you get a job after school and I think that's part of the mess so you have people coming into the industry who are probably not passionate about it Mm. or don't like it so I think that's part of the mess and then so the mess being that the industry is kind of getting diluted because there are lots of people with the skills and less people with the actual passion and drive and ingenuity that is required to uh drive this industry forward possibly i mean i'm not i I think passion can come even after um but i think i mean it's it's i'm also confused in my own thoughts right now i'm sorry if i'm rambling but i think the the passion is important but there's some there's there's two types of programmers, in my opinion. There's the the programmers who are very passionate about it, and they want to learn to solve problems and find good solutions to problems. And then they're the ones that have trained to repeat a series of steps and call that a skill and call that programming. Mm. So you could get away with memorizing things. Copy-paste. To program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, if we get a lot of that type of programmers, then yes, it does get diluted in the sense that you might not have someone to um, brainstorm with (laughs) or solve problems with. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's another aspect of the mess. What else are we dealing with here? Oh, (laughs) jeez. So I think for sure, I think the messiest would be the gender problem. Mm. I think... 
um, there have been a lot of controversy when it comes to men being maybe rude to women in the industry or there was that one manifesto that someone wrote a year or two ago from Google and it was high controversy for that too and I think that speaking up is very scary like all these things that I'm telling you right now it I don't think I would ever say out loud anywhere else because it is so controversial that it's almost like not allowed to talk about yeah and um and what kind of things are you not allowed to talk about it's 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 more of a survivalism and if you talk about certain things like what i was just telling you about like the whole forceful feeding Mm. programming into uh kids right now i people could get extremely mad at me for saying those things because i understand they're coming from a good place and they want to expose kids to that and i agree with it but the way it's being done it's not i don't agree with it and i think it's such a good agenda but that turned into kind of bad because it was so so harsh that yeah yeah and i think that speaking up about that could harm them more than help them Mm -hmm. and if i do want people to get exposed to engineering the way i didn't like i didn't but i want people to do be to be exposed to it then i wouldn't want to um uh you know like block them or make i i don't think it's a good idea to try to change that if that makes sense right okay so how would you do things because obviously you're passionate about software engineering yes so it's not that you don't want people to know how to code i'm i'm assuming that you yeah. think it's a really worthwhile skill because that's what your career is all about. So how yeah. would you uh, tackle um, students' illiteracy in the software engineering realm? I think um, the what's happening now is great. And I have been in groups and started groups and tried many things uh where uh we expose programming and if you like it we can help you more if not hey you know about it that's all we wanted um i think there are a lot of programs that do that also already i think at this i have like stepped aside now and i have not actively tried to provide that type of I don't know, workshops or hackathons or any of those things because of, I think there's just, it's so saturated that if I were to try to expose people to coding, it would be part of that forceful feeding, mm-hmm. you know, snowball. Right. I'm getting the message from you that you just really believe that if people are interested in it, like you were when you were a kid, they should follow their hearts. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I think it's something that even if, I mean, I went into it and I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about coding when I was little. So if you have the intrigue of how things work and you really want to figure it out, you will end up doing it. I think Um, maybe not everybody. I'm not sure. But if if you're intrigued by it and you end up doing it, then I think that's good. If if you were exposed to it, that's great too, because now you can ask more questions. I think I just I'm just very conflicted about today's world. Right. <laughs> <I> guess, <laughs> oh, you and me both. Um, yeah. I mean, why is there such an aggressive push to pick up this skill? Are we desperately in a deficit of software engineers? I think so, yes. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, we have this huge boom of like new technology and new stuff. And there are a lot of startups or massive big tech companies. Mm-hmm. And the same, the same big tech companies reach out to me every year because they 
they try to poach software engineers from other mm -hmm. companies because there is a lack of software engineers. Experience software so, engineers, probably. Yeah. Yes, that too. And I think, and I understand why there is a push for more programmers, but at the same time, I mean, it will come with time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know how to solve that, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of new companies that require software engineers. So I don't know how that's going to go, but I cannot force people to love how to program just so that we can have more apps in our mm. phone. Gosh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because everything is becoming so software based and digital. And, and so yes. I really understand why, uh, there is a need to introduce coding as a skill, as a basic skill in schools. But I also can hear your frustration yeah. and kind of understand that, you know, it's really uh, diluting the talent pool. But yet the talent pool is so constricted right now and so kind of um, small given the demand. Yes. And also even the, I think the talent pool and I've experienced it through a lot of my friends and colleagues and including myself is that it can be so frustrating to work in that type of environment where it's such high pressure that we end up moving away mm. from it. So even, I think even the, the talent pool is can be decreasing even so. even qualified <laughs> uh software engineers yeah. are kind of leaving oh yes yes i mean including myself i am i have been working for myself now because i was so frustrated at the industry right so what are you doing now <laughs> so well i don't think i can say much uh but i have my own business so and I use my own programming skills and problem solving skills to, let's say I do like contracted work. So I do that now. I don't have to work for an agenda. Right. I mean, what reasons. was, what was yeah. the frustrate, what, what was the frustrating factor that made you leave? I think the, the most frustrating factor was how, toxic the environment was in in that field with like I mentioned like the women oh, backstabbing right. women and that's what made me just just step away and also like bad decisions being made by by the wrong mm -hmm. people um so my biggest frustration was I believe that they had hired me to solve problems mm -hmm. for them and to provide, to do my research, spend a lot of time on something and then provide a solution for it. If anything, like be, become the, the subject matter expert to be able to provide it like solutions. And I kept experiencing being overwritten by someone who had no knowledge about what I had been working on. And if I come and say, hey, this is very dangerous. This could potentially even kill people. Can we uh, take another few months to work on it? Or can we do this solution? I, I would provide different options. And um, there were certain people making decisions saying, no, we don't have time. So we're just going to put the beta or we're just going to do whatever you already have. And I think that that to my core of... It was like, it just shook me to my core where I was like, I can't believe that I am telling you that this is mm. dangerous to human lives and you still want to go for it. And I think that and also like the, I think the agenda of like being competitive and saying, overruling my opinion was their agenda more than the quality of the software or the quality of the product. And I think that was my biggest right. frustration. I, I kind of see yeah. now um, where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, here's, 
a young woman who really had a genuine interest and passion in yeah. using computers to do stuff. And, you know, you got qualified, knowledgeable, and then you're in an industry that's actually completely driven by greed and competition. Yeah. And there's your frustration right there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And sorry, I'm like getting super yeah. emotional about it. But yeah, no. it's just, it's really frustrating to work like that and genuinely want to do mm. something good. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I was like, why? I, I was trying to sort of like figure out like the root of your kind of um, anger, I guess. But I really get it. I really, really get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a true yeah. stemmer in the sense that like you really <laughs> wanted to apply your skills um to do good in the world and that is i i believe that's the the real hallmark of um a true scientist um and you're in an yeah. industry <laughs> thank you <laughs> and then you find yourself in an industry where it's backstabbing and bitchy yeah and money driven oh yeah i totally understand why you're frustrated now makes sense yeah so I think that's the biggest problem, unfortunately. And I do understand, like, there's a lot of demand for it. And the reason is because maybe we're in an, in an era of information where companies are growing faster mm -hmm. than they used to, or products are need to be released faster than mm -hmm. ever, that there is no time to to stop for a second and think about the solutions that you are putting out there and publishing out there to the world to use where it may be in not, not in, not every single software engineering job could harm human lives, but there are some that do. And even if they don't, why are we pushing software that is bad? <laughs> I don't know. Like it could, harm your even like your phone or how many how many problems have we recently heard from bigger companies that oh no there's this big yeah. security issue oh no there's this big thing well that's because they were just trying to do it fast 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 and now and <laughs> their code yeah. is bad because oh my gosh, of that. it's really just dawning on me just how powerful what you do is and how we as humans are actually kind of at the mercy of what software engineers yeah. are capable of. Yes, I agree. It's yeah. pretty crazy, I'm right? Like, Whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> this is like a it's, big deal. It's everywhere. It's in the hospitals you may end up in. It's in the planes you ride. It's in the oh Uber apps God. that you use or whatever. Yes. It's everywhere. Totally. Ah, <laughs> oh, I mean, I really yeah, understand the, now the, like, why, the... why it's like, you know, don't just tell everyone to code. Like, we should be teaching the, the morals and the ethics of learning to code because yes. otherwise this can get out of hand. 100% agree. Yes. And we are at a point where I think you might lose the people who are genuinely interested in creating good software people <laughs> because like of that. Because I thank you. I I agree. I think I think I was good for that specific thing and it was the hardest decision probably the hardest decision of to my leave. life to to leave basically felt like jumping ship of a sinking ship because I could stay and try to save it. But at that point I was like, it's, it's no, if they continue to make decisions this way to me, it is a sinking ship. It might not look like it to the people in it or the people around it, but I know it's going to sink yeah. basically. 
So what was the solution <laughs> you found? Like, you know, I can totally understand your reasons for leaving. I, my heart mm-hmm. is kind of breaking for you because I can just hear how authentic you are within your industry and it hasn't been appreciated. But what's the, what, what's the solution you found to all of this mess? I don't think I found a solution. I think I had to, for my own mental and physical health, was my solution was to step away from it and uh, take a break from that industry and do my own my own projects, work for myself, hopefully for a few years, and then if I feel like I could go back into it. Mm-hmm. I might, but I'm at a point where I even I actually consider going into like Do law school else. or changing yeah. my career comple- completely. Wow. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it got to the point where the meetings were, I was arguing to a level at those meetings that I was like, "Wow, I actually could be a lawyer mm-hmm. at this yeah. point." <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, in some ways life kind of points you in different directions and steering off the path can often feel really, really painful. Um, But if you stick with it and stick with the challenge and resistances, um, you end up trailblazing. So you may be a total trailblazer. I, that would be amazing. Um, I think right now, um i'm trying to hopefully inspire others that solving problems and engineering can be fun and go from there i don't yeah i i think i don't want to say too much about what i do because you know that will triangulate back to me (laughs) but um i think you kind of know that the stuff that I've been working on is like my solution to the problem is not force feeding how to code people, but more like, Hey, by the way, this really cool thing that you see here, Oh, it used math and there was problem solving to it. And if you wanted to do something like that, you could get into it by understanding that it requires all these things, Mm -hmm. I think. So I'm trying to do my own thing. And at this point, I don't know if, It'll change the world, but hopefully will help some a couple people. <laughs> Maybe software engineering is heading in a direction where people will know how to kind of speak the language and churn out the codes, but there will be an entirely different pool of people, people like you, that will be policing it. Um, so it's kind of like a little bit like... Mm, yeah. There'll be people who are the factory workers kind of at the conveyor belt checking the content or like, you know, moving the content along. Um, But there'll be people like you that are actually part of the drive for innovation and advancement and, you know, really in charge of how things change and develop and grow i think that would be amazing i think um there is sort of a level there there are levels when you're in a software engineering group and that could be like maybe the software architect the one that oversees everything and has like the vision and can there's code reviews and there's i think some there are there are some rules or established methods to go about kind of like what you said um but i think that maybe at the end of the day even even you might have like a great system for the software engineers to release good code but if the greed comes in like you said or like, like the greed and I'm, or like the money mm-hmm. part comes to it and they're like well, we don't have time to do the entire process. 
let's skip the quality mm-hmm. assurance or let's skip the code review or let's skip whatever that's when it becomes a problem yeah. yeah so we could have like you said like we could have the like the coders who might not have a lot of this like the problem solving skills yet or and then like the more of like the software engineer designer type that understands more about it can make better code mm-hmm. or better solutions and then like the architect with like yes. the, the vision mm-hmm. of the product the one that keeps it like from breaking the one that keeps it from becoming this weird frankenstein and then if you could guard that and make it not pop because of other external aspects to it when it comes to like money or releasing or being the first ones out there or all those things then it could work and mm-hmm. i think it can work it's just uh, maintaining that uh, uh, hopefully like a almost like a protective bubble around this software engineering right. processes and does anything like that exist at the moment where there's an emphasis on you know the the ethics and the moral morality of coding i think so i be- i want to believe that um there are some big companies that do do that um mm-hmm. and maybe small ones i don't know but i think that that exists and that's why we do have really good products already and that's why we have really cool things that we can play with now or use and we we do have something like that um um i don't think it's everywhere but if there's a lot of software engineers maybe that start doing their own thing and maybe start their own company and then eventually mm. could still have the mindset of a software engineer so they do make sure that that is like the most important thing of the product then i've seen Mm -hmm. that a lot in a lot of startups and a lot of bigger companies i think um i mean including like google the founders were both computer scientists and they emphasize in like maintaining like the software engineers in a very um creative um continuous creative um, process but I mean I haven't worked there so I wouldn't know but this is kind of as an external um, software engineer that's what they portray and that's what it seems like and that's why a lot of people want to work there actually um, mm. but I don't think that's the case for everybody. Put it this way you know software engineering is omnipotent and uh, it's it's I didn't actually, I've never really even thought about it. Um, but it definitely feels like if unguarded, uh, it could really it could really spiral out of control. And um the sort of the the passion and the genuinity that you've displayed uh in this conversation kind of makes me aware that you know, we do need people like you in the world who care about these skills being put to good use rather than, um, you know, to a greedy use. Yeah. Or or no use at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I would hope that, like, I want to, in this podcast, and thank you so much for having me, because I feel like, like I said, I don't think I would ever be able to talk about this. Mm. Um, I would hope that it could potentially um, let other people know that what's happening or also that they're not alone and then maybe even maybe even trigger someone to say like oh I don't agree with her I'm also a software engineer and I see it this way mm. because I think this is a very important subject that everybody should be talking about Yeah, um, since it's everywhere right now yeah, I mean, it's it definitely. I wonder, you know, I wonder if it would spark a debate. Um, it would be very interesting uh, to hear other people's views on it um, because this I, is really yeah. a world I don't know about. I would love that. I would. I would hope that that would happen. I'm pretty sure that maybe in different countries or cultures, the software engineering world is a lot different. Mm. Um, you know. Uh, I would love to hear that or maybe I can even see it with when I go to 
tech conferences and I talk to people from just like across the country and how their world is so different than mine and their concerns and worries are so different than mine that I think I would love to to hear more about it if possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe when we publish this episode we can I can, you know, start a conversation about it because I'd love to really I'd love to know what opinions people have about this really fascinating subject. Um I mean, has it uh crossed your mind that maybe you should move to a place where people are a bit more um have a bit more of a sort of ethical approach i have thought about it um i think what's interesting is that it's kind of like picking which is like the lesser evil i think mm-hmm. uh from what i've seen heard and talked to other software engineers is that my concerns and frustrations are different than theirs but then theirs seem just as bad or worse sometimes that I don't even know. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm going to stay clear of that place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now home is looking not so bad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it really does seem like a very deep and far-reaching topic. And before we go because our time is almost up like I haven't even begun to ask you half the questions I wanted to ask you um one of them being um you know being a woman in STEM in software engineering um how have you like do you have time to think about all the us all the other aspects of being a woman like sort of like family and motherhood and relationships and friends and all that kind of stuff like Is there enough time in your day to consider those things? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) There's, I think um, there was a point in um, when I was in that job that I was working for so many hours and also so many days of the week that there were family members that I didn't even talk to for months. And also my social life um, almost ended and I would only hang out with the people that were also doing the same stuff, my co-workers or colleagues, or even like Mm -hmm. I noticed that all my, the friends that I was having dinner with were also software engineers and they were also talking about their frustrations. And then I realized that I didn't like that. I was like, I just don't want to talk about programming anymore. Yeah. (laughs) It was everywhere. Is that typical or is that just kind of lifestyle choice that you've chosen? I don't think I chose it. I think it had chosen me (laughs) at that point (laughs) where I just couldn't avoid it anymore. And it it actually became a little frustrating where I'm like, if you are at the office more than 12 hours a day and all you talk about is whatever at work programming stuff and then you go eat dinner with some friends that are also doing programming and then you eat dinner and just talk about work oh it's not life at all but i mean is that seriously kind of typical of the life of a software engineer or do you think it's just you i i don't know i think i've seen it happen a lot i've seen like Like, all the software engineers, all the people that graduated from the same class as me, they all still hang out, they all still do. And it's not because of that, like, well, of course, there's friendship, but I think it has more to do with uh, nobody else can relate to your problems or what you're talking about. So you end Mm -hmm. up gravitating to the people who can. (laughs) To Like, you're just finding a group where you belong to. So I can see that happen. What what are software engineers like typically as people? Are they really super geeky in in their own little coding world? Oh no! I mean, there's no? of course there's some. There's yeah. There's all sides of it. That the spectrum is wide. <laughs> oh good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Because when people ask me that question about engineers, it's like, no, I don't have grease under my fingernails. I don't wear overalls, and I can't fix your car. Exactly. No, we're not all just geek. No, <laughs> I don't eat okay. pizza, and I don't. I don't stay in the basement all day. No. <laughs> right. 
And so what about motherhood? Like being a woman, you know, having children is something that is an open opportunity to most of us. Like, is that something that you want or you don't want? Like, what's the deal with that for you? I think it's a very good question. I really wanted kids when I before I started working. And then when I started working, I noticed how some women who got pregnant ended up having to leave because they couldn't see their babies at all. Because mm-hmm. like one of them specifically had a baby and she had her mom help her care of the baby when she was at work. And uh, so she would leave for work early. The baby was sleeping. And then she would come back home late and the baby was sleeping. So she had zero time with her baby. Mm -hmm. Also, there was like the maternity leave here is like tiny. It's like four weeks or something. That's terrible. Stupid like that. Yes. So when I started working, I thought, well, I guess I'm never having babies. And then (laughs) now I think um, I'm trying to get back to the idea of hoping maybe to have kids but it almost felt like career suicide when I was working to have babies yeah yeah it's so tricky for all women Mm -hmm. I think yeah all women that want to have careers you know to figure out when exactly to fit that in because you know it takes such a long time to get skilled up yeah and once you're skilled up you don't want to then take time out to have children. Like you want to apply your skills to a career. Exactly. Um, yes. And software engineering seems like an industry where if you take your eyes off it for five minutes, everything's changed. <laughs> it almost <laughs> feels like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So um, I think I think with software engineering, though, the good thing about it is that the skills that you gathered you can still apply in a lot of other like um, companies that are different industries, but the same skill sets are needed. So, so for example, if you become a great, let's just say, for example, like a great web developer and you were in the whatever auto, like auto industry, and then you, you leave for a few years and then you want to get back, you're still a web developer. You can make websites for the fashion industry or for, or for Starbucks or for anything. So I think mm. like with programming, you can pick it up quite easily again right. and you can move around industries um, mm. very easily. So I I do see it like I'm not too worried about my future with me taking a break from it. And I've seen it a lot. A lot of people take like sabbatical years after working for a lot of years at big companies and they say like, I'm just going to take a break. And then get back into it. And I think that's one of the things I really like about software engineering. Like, you can still get back on it, no problem. Right. And so uh, what does having it all mean to you then? Having it all? Yeah. I think having it all would mean time. If you have time to do things <laughs> like how you I, I think I don't know having it all is really just having time so if you have time to become the scientist you want to become or the engineer you want to become and at the same time have time to be with your family or have time to have like hobbies or a break or to do whatever you want to do I think that's having it all mm, yeah it sounds like balance is something that um you are striving for absolutely yes and uh achieving balance in life is takes practice yes i i yes i think so and i think in the at least in the software engineering the programming lifestyle the more you spend at work the more you spend programming the more points you get for being a great programmer so that's part of the competition side of it where there's no balance in that industry. Right. So on a final note then, for anyone that's thinking about software engineering, mm. uh, what advice would you give them? I think that my advice for someone thinking about software engineering would be to explore it and try it. And see if that's something that they do feel passionate about. (laughs) I think uh, do not do it for the money or do not do it for 
the I guess it is very trendy right now. Don't do it for the trend. Do it for because it's fun. It is a lot of fun. If you try it and you realize that you like solving those puzzles or problems, then you're at your at the best place you can be. But if if it's something that just feels like just tedious work or like oh so like annoying, then then it's maybe not for you. Maybe try a different type of engineering and that's fine. Don't you don't have to do programming. <laughs> I think that's my advice. Oh. Wise words <laughs> to end on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having this platform for for us, for everybody. Oh, you're welcome. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Gosh, who knew? that this is what my female guest in STEM has been subjected to in her career. Um, it started out so positive. I could really feel her passion and her enthusiasm for what she is doing. But yes, I guess we do live in an era where everything is software driven and you know this real push for girls to code and for people to understand the coding language is really pressurizing us today. And um, I'm not sure that's such a good thing. You know, what my guest has really, really communicated today is that following your heart is absolutely everything. And I hope she continues to do that because honestly, her, her real authentic interest in understanding what computers do has really inspired me today and I hope it has you too. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show and even subscribe and catch you next week on Silence. <laughs>